0: Hello, Russell here. I'm really excited to share some of my conversation with Dianis Varoufakis. Yanis Varoufakis is a Greek economist, academic, philosopher and politician. A former member of Syriza, he served as Minister of Finance from January to July in 2015. He's the co-founder of the international grassroots movement, dm 25 And in 2019, he won an election as one of its representatives in the Greek parliament. He's currently Professor of Economics at the University of Athens and his new book, Another Now dispatches from an alternative present is released this month I just spoke to Yanis Varoufakis just this second ago and why I enjoy talking to him you should listen to the previous episode I did with him five years ago also that was brilliant this time I talked about how do you ever unify the various fragments of the left is there a hope of an alternative future how do we incorporate technology into a new utopia does he acknowledge the necessity for spirituality in any real movement for or change. It's a really, really good conversation. I think you're going to love it. He's an extremely smart man. And remember, this is a person who has been at the heart of institutional power, who has sat down with uh, administrators at the EU, who knows what it's like to campaign to win an election, you know, in a sort of In Greece, an actual country. So um, check it out. You'll enjoy it. But, I mean, you're going to now at this point, aren't you? You're not going to switch off when you're so close to glory. You can listen to more episodes of Under the Skin only on Luminary, a subscription podcast network with original shows from your favourite creators. You can get a subscription for as little as $2.99 a month with their annual plan, plus a seven-day free trial to get started. Visit luminarypodcast.com to start your free trial. If you subscribe to U- Illuminary, you Illuminary, not only do you get this brilliant episode with Giannis, you'll get the other one that I've done ages ago. Really, this is really worth investing in. Some, like you know what I've started doing lately? I've started subscribing to courses, like great courses. I belong to that now. Masterclass. I've accepted that you do have to subscribe for good content without advertising i know it seems free to get stuff off youtube which i also do but the fact is you get hit up with them dumb adverts every which way you are farmed farmed as a commodity i know it's tricky to ask you for money even a small amount like $2.99 a month at luminarypodcast.com, but. It's worth it. Some things you can't afford not to pay for. I was thinking that the other day when I was getting something for free. I was thinking, man, it wouldn't be so expensive to just pay for this. So yeah, go and uh, subscribe to this. There's loads and loads of good content on Luminary. It's a fantastic platform that I'm proud to be a part of. Mailing list, old son. It's your time to shine. Get over at russellbrand.com and sign up for my mailing list. I'll tell you why, because we're doing Zoom calls now where we raise money for really good causes. Like, for example, I might get a new hat. No, we're like, uh, like, for, like, there's different charities we're raising money for Treasures, that's a, a charity for women dealing with addiction. Uh, What's the other one? BAC O'Connor. Who else do you think we should help? The mix. We'll probably help them at some point. If you got any charities you're interested in, Jen? just yourself jen jen might like to go on another holiday <laughs> i don't think that's ethical jen but we'll look into it perhaps we can if this is going if we're going to run our company democratically which we're not then we could uh, then we could really really look into that we could get swept up in dianas's dream of democracy being true to his greekness even to this day. You can say Greekness, I think. Greekness ain't a weakness, baby. It's a compliment. That's what I've always said. So, yeah, sh- sign up to uh, RussellBrown.com because I'm thinking of doing some live events. Because you know what? I'm beginning to think that coronavirus is a hoax. <laughs> that's a joke. <laughs> that's a joke. Coronavirus is obviously real. Um, that's, that's plain as day. I'm just saying we would do some socially distanced, mask-wearing live events. How about that? Would you have to wear a mask? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, how could I? When people wouldn't be able to hear me talky talky. Oh, I don't like the sound of that. It's like having a wasp trapped in there. No, I won't do that, Jen. But we're doing that one at Regent's Park, aren't we? That's an outdoor event. Yeah. Tickets all all sold out. I'm afraid to tell you, but we could. I think we could do things in a field, <laughs> like with bales of hay. Picture it. Dusk. Bales of hay. A lone man swathed in white walks across the sunset sky. Is that the sound of angels I hear <laughs> on yonder brie? It's me. Uh, and then I come out and I do some jokes. People are sat there with masks and all that kind of stuff. Masks on outside? No, they don't have to even wear masks outside, do they? Mm. So, anyway, but even for now, we're doing these Zoom call ones. Five quid, a pop, money goes to. Uh, you know then people have just said treasures bac o'connor good basically helping drug addicts and the mentally ill who if you're listening to this podcast you probably actually also are a drug addict and mentally ill. you may be in recovery but who isn't mentally ill how could you not be mentally ill living in this you know zoo (laughs) there's this this topic zoo so i'm calling it you can get in touch on social media if you want to Here's some of your comments for the episode I've done with Bill Burr. Did you like the episode I've done with Bill Burr, Django? Yeah, it's one of my favourites. Why? Because he's funny. Yeah. Um, I like even the clip, the rabbit psychopath clip that we released. That was good, wasn't it? Um, stuff about mental health. <laughs> it was really lovely. I got a lot of compliments from people like saying about the moment when Bill Burr was moved to tears. It's kind of lovely, isn't it? It's particularly as Bill Burr is such a kind of... I see him as a very forthright on the front foot type of comic. He's not like a, doesn't seem super sensitive, but of course he would have to be super sensitive to come up with the brilliant material he regularly creates. So here's some of your comments. You've heard mine, you've heard Jen's. Jen, who's taken a brief break from her life of holidays to do a bit of work. How was, <laughs> did you have a nice time in Switzerland? My first holiday in three years. Oh, come on, what about Australia? That's what's working <laughs> I was watching you, Jen. You were treating it like a holiday. You barely did anything. You were mostly sunbathing, which is very dangerous for an Irish person (laughs) with your kind of complexion. Let's have a listen to some of these comments from Bill Burr from genuine people, real people who you can trust. This person says, who I think is called The Dot Right, at Russell Brand and at Wilfred Burr, my favourite interviews of Russell's with the comedians. Oh, and Neil deGrasse Tyson, who's a cosmic comedian. Gah, I can't get enough of Russell Brand interviewing the comedians. It makes my life better. Then it's like those praise you like I should hands. Why are you opening the door, Jen? I'm just leaving. <laughs> exactly <laughs> where you are. Still at work. What you work? Need another holiday? It's a bit too long. Half a day of, of toil. <laughs> Polly Peeps 87 goes, so glad Wilfred Burr joined. I saw him live in Liverpool once, front row, and he was incredible. Such a funny guy. Epic Russell loved it. Also, those praise you like I should hands. Hey, those praise you like I should hands. (laughs) That's what they're called. That's what that emoji is called. Praise you like I should hands. You know, praise you like I should. Uh, Vision underscore Aries underscore seven goes, love Wilfred Burr. What a legend. So on Twitter, he's called at Wilfred Burr. Nice. Zach Markey, this one hooked me into luminary, modern-day philosophers. That's how I see myself as a modern day philosopher. Should we go into the episode with Yanis Varoufakis? Strap him because it's going to be an education. You're going to go to another dimension. You're going to get some genuine information that might elucidate you, take you somewhere where you've not previously been before and give you hope and optimism that change is genuinely possible. Plug yourself into some nutritional information. Step outside of the miasma of negativity that is engulfing your life. The real pandemic is ignorance. Let's listen to Yanis Varoufakis. Trying to achieve equality with the annihilation of category is not no, a successful that, route. Yes, that's, that, that's exactly right. We're in this era where it turns out we were never the something boss. doesn't look like an ideology. What's beneath the surface of people we admire, of the ideas that define our time, the history we are told? And welcome to Russell Brand. Under the skin. When thinking about something like an uprising or even opposing establishment power. One obvious problem that occurs to me, and it's something that you have uh, extolled upon and explained even in this conversation, is the obvious fissures that exist uh, uh, among what would once have been thought of as the left. Most notably in the emergence of uh, the SJW social justice movement and how Uh, abstracted and often opposed they are from the traditional working class or blue collar support of left wing movements who I think it's safe to say now feel wholly estranged from the parties that were at least superficially augmented to serve them. I was interested that you said earlier that, you know, that the Democratic Party of America never really had that agenda and that the labour part of labour movement in this country was corrupted as early as the 1920s, because popular myth in the in, is that this sort of you know the 1940s was a great moment for the Labour Party with the National Health Service and that it wasn't until much later under Blair and under Clinton in the United States that the left wing lost that the left lost its mojo, became castrated and became a kind of a as you say an imitation of Republican or Conservative parties, respectively. Do you see there? being the possibility of uh, like, uh, how would you even just to resolve how would you do you think it's possible to resolve the fissure that exists between sort of the more metropolitan social justice uh, identity politics oriented uh, members of progressivism And the now left behind working class uh, blue collar people that now feel sort of not only resentful towards establishment power, but perhaps even more resentful to these kind of movements that make them feel culturally alienated and often demonize working class people as one of their dominant motifs. Were Were you to ask me that question
1: three years ago, I would be a lot more optimistic than I am today because I saw... You know, three years ago, this, exactly what you described, was happening in the Labour Party under Corbyn. There was an emergent coalition between, you know, urbanite, uh, more liberal left-wingers, with people in the north of England um, who were far more traditional um, blue-collar workers or former blue-collar workers that worried about, you know, the reproduction of their material life uh, a lot more than they worried about identity. Um, but look at, at at the way in which Corbyn was brought down through the weaponization of identity politics, through um, a rather sordid campaign of disinformation and distortion. The whole you know business about Corbyn being Corbyn being and anti semite or Sanders being a misogynist, uh, which is what was started within the, the Democratic Party, to, 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 to find ways of, of creating discontent within the progressive supporting them. Uh, and they did it so so successfully. So the answer to your question is that, yes, it can be done, but it is very difficult. And until and unless uh, th- younger, more liberal, more urbanite and more upwardly mobile leftists can start paying their dues and be more respectful to those who have been held behind and left behind in the Rust Belt areas or in you know, the Clactons on Sea areas and the Bournemouth areas of the world. Unless we have a genuine, you know, sympathy of one another, it can't work. What really, I mean, you know, I, I campaigned against Brexit, as you probably remember. Um, and yet the contempt within, with which radical left-wing good people, you know, my friends, you know, feminists, um, progressives, uh, members of the, you know, LBGT community and so on, the, the, the way who were on the pro-remain side, the way with which they treated contemptuously, um, you know, people in Yorkshire who had voted for Brexit, that really upset me. Uh, And, you know, uh, I'm all for, for instance, bringing down the symbols of um, institutionalized um, racism, whether it is changing the name of Yale University or bringing down a statue in Bristol. I don't have a problem with that. I don't mind it. But what we must understand is that when somebody is about to lose their job in a factory, or they've lost it. It really offers them no succor, it offers them no um, satisfaction to hear that
0: Yale University now is called something else. (laughs) It's interesting how that example cuts to the heart of the issue of symbolic cultural change versus meaningful economic change and uh, and in a sense it uh, Ossifies that estrangement between working, inverted commas, traditional Labour voters. You know, the Labour Party, Labour is a synonym for work, for industrialised people working in industrialised jobs, people who 50, 60 years ago were told that there is such a thing as Britain, that Britain is separate and it is worth laying down your life for, for the reality of Britain and, and now being invited to casually discard this identity, that was offered them as a sort of palliative for personal sacrifice my sense is that when you give the example of an a democratic uh, 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 or a uh, corporate organization such as you worked in in seattle i wonder how that maps onto communities i wonder too yanis about the plausibility and and I, with some optimism and and if i may be clear excitement the idea of standing under a pol, or standing on a political platform that you have begun to outline and clearly you elaborate on in your uh, novel of l- that where you can list a manifesto that includes uh the ending of share markets the abolition of banks the re-empowerment of communities uh, uh Work-based and craft-based or economies less time working, more time for families. That, in a sense, a correlative of that would be the end of globalization. Globalization's the veins of globalization are the financial, global financial markets, and if those are cut off, then uh, you know you address simultaneously two problems: the sort of rise of sort of fatic retro nationalism and the. Uh, the kind of uh, the insidious onslaught of g- g- uh, corporate globalization. So do you is that something that you propose? Is that possible? And would you have to organize that from the, uh, the offset on an international level due to the scale of the project?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and the distinction I, I draw is between internationalism and globalization. We need internationalism to kill off globalization. Globalization for me, um, the way I understand it, is the complete liberation of capital, of money, to move unimpededly around the globe at the touch of a button. (laughs) The liberation of commodities to cross the U.S.-Mexican border, you know, that is now, now has been for a long time an impenetrable wall for human beings. So human beings, it's quite remarkable. If you go to the U.S.-Mexico border fence, you see thousands of people from Latin America um, in the shadow of that wall, waiting for an opportunity to jump it and enter the United States in search of work, when through the various openings, whole um, train loads and truckloads of commodities um, Move completely effort, effortlessly from one side of the border to the other. Uh, so, I would like a world in which um, there are restrictions in capital movements and no restrictions on human beings moving around. Um, that, for me, is the end of globalization and the beginning of internationalism. I don't. Want, I, I personally consider uh, borders to be a scar on the face of the earth. Um, and, uh, and this is the price we have to pay, these borders that are getting taller, uh, more electrified and more impenetrable, the more capital and commodities are free to move around. Uh, so th- 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 we need international um, solidarity. We need an international movement. Some of us are putting together what we call the Progressive International. Uh, On the 18th of September, we have an inaugural meeting, and that includes um, my friend Noam Chomsky, Naomi Klein, Catherine Jacob's daughter, the Prime Minister of Iceland, uh, the Bernie Sanders uh, uh, team are part of that. We have people from uh, Nigeria, from Japan, and so on, uh, because we need to start moving along those lines. But let me make one just final point. More, I'm bringing it back to the more spiritual level. Um, In the end, in the end. Uh, What really matters is that people feel that they're in control of their lives. You know, one of the most insidious aspects of the right-wing Brexit campaign and of the Donald Trump campaign is the fact that their slogans were apt. We, We want control back. We want to get our country back. Of course, we want to get our country back. Who doesn't want to get their country back? But the point we make is that to get your country back, we need to get our world back. And we need to get it back from the finances. And we need to get it back from the states and the bureaucrats because the COVID-19 now has shown the immense power of government. Government can tell you, you know, you're not going to get out of your home for the next 20 years, right? I'm not against the current quarantine and the lockdown. But what I'm saying is that what the, the pandemic has revealed is the immense power of the state over us, yes, uh, yes. which can be used or abused or, or whatever. Um, and people need to have this sense that they are in control of power. Um, and the way to do this is to combine economic democracy in the way I described it through the corporation that where every, po- every employee has one share and which gives them one vote. But also um, imagine a world in which in every county there are two zones. The commercial zone and the social zone. The social zone contains housing, businesses that are based on social principles right like like you used to have in in, in britain uh, council housing uh and the commercial zone is utilized in order to make money but it is owned by the people of the county and they decide how much space to give to the industrial zone to the commercial zone uh whom they're going to charge for letting them use that that zone And that proceeds from this commercial zone are utilized in order to build the social housing. And imagine where you have, um, you know, um, an assembly, a county citizens assembly, which is selected not by election, but by random draw, like in ancient Athens, so that you you cut out the electioneering, because we know that elections are very good for the aristocracy. The the aristocrats are far better, the powerful are far better at usurping elections. But imagine you have a random draw that uh, decides who is sitting on this uh, land council. And they make all the decisions after listening to different points of view by elected representatives, by business interests, by local communities and so on. And, the, the, you know, the members of these uh, land councils can rotate again through random selection. That way you have a community, you have political power. Uh, it It is a state, but you don't have the all-powerful state whose bureaucracy simply reflects the interests and the overall power
0: of the powerful. If you like that, go so, go to luminarypodcast.com and sign up. There's loads of great content. It's a fantastic platform. There's all of my under the skins going way back. It could be people like Naomi Klein or Tony Robbins or Neil deGrasse Tyson. I mean, it's just a wealth of information. It's like doing a course. It's like doing a course in chat. <laughs> <laughs> luminarypodcast.com. You can get it for as little as two ninety nine a month with the annual plan on luminarypodcast.com. It's not just me, you know. It's Linda Dunham on there, and Caramo, and Rain Wilson, and Reza Aslan. Yeah? Yep. There's other people as well. Thank you.